Galatians chapter 2, verse 19 to 21. For through the law I died to the law, so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. May God bless the reading from His Holy Word. Please be seated. So once again, good morning. And we come to the exposition of God's Word, the most important part of our worship is to listen to the Word of God, all right? And so, may I request everyone to pay attention, to listen. Children, keep quiet because we want God to speak. And when we want God to speak, we need all of us to have our full attention to listen. Now, for those of you who have just come and visit Bradford Church for this baccalaureate service. We have been going through the letter of Paul to the Galatians. This is our new series for the month of June and July. The gospel about Christ as taught by Paul in the letter to the Galatians. And the theme of this series is freedom in Christ. Real freedom, brethren, is only found in Jesus Christ. A lot of people today are living their lives in freedom. They think that they can do whatever they want, whatever they feel good, whatever they consider desirable, they can do it. They thought it's freedom, but it's not. The only freedom that the world have today is the freedom to follow the devil. The freedom to follow what the wicked and corrupt world wants us to do. But real freedom is when you have the freedom to choose what is right, even if everyone is doing wrong. That's real freedom. And that freedom comes only when we have Jesus Christ in our life. So that's the essence of this letter of Galatians. Paul is writing to some believers who are already set free from spiritual bondages, and they are now living their free life in Christ. But then false teachers are entering the church to blind them again, to, give, to bring them back to spiritual slavery. And so last Sunday, we took up Galatians chapter 2, and I just want to review what we have learned last week so that we can continue with our lesson today. Now, last Sunday, our lesson is entitled, Preserving the Gospel Truth. Preserving the Gospel Truth. And this is the aim of St. Paul when he wrote his letter, that the church needs to preserve the gospel truth because there are wolves out there there are false teachers. And in Paul's case, they were called the Judaizers. Now, who are these Judaizers? They are the very ones that Paul is trying to refute. These Judaizers claim to be Christians. They are Jews by tradition, by birth, and somehow they converted to Christianity. But then they are still teaching that in order for people to be saved, you have to be circumcised, you have to follow Jewish traditions. So they were imposing to Gentile Christians their Jewish heritage. Now you have to understand the mindset of the Jews. The Jews thought that the only people that are saved are themselves, that they are the chosen people. And now that, that Christ is offering this grace of salvation not just to the Jews, but to the Gentiles. Who are Gentiles? We are Gentiles. You are Gentile. If you are not a Jew by birth, 
you are a Gentile. And the, the Christian Jews are trying to persuade these Gentile believers to become Jews. And that's why Paul wrote this letter saying, that is wrong. You don't have to become a Jew to be a follower of Christ. And Paul emphasized in this letter the importance of knowing the gospel, that the gospel is Jesus Christ, and the gospel is that only faith in Jesus Christ is necessary for people to be saved. You don't add anything to what Jesus did at the cross. Amen? The gospel is that Jesus died on the cross. He did everything necessary for you and me to go to heaven. There is nothing you can add to what Jesus did. That is why Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. Right? You don't have to add anything. You only have to trust Him and believe in Him so that you can be saved. Now, how do we preserve the gospel truth? Now, there were five, so let's just review because we are going to take up the fifth. So number one, we need to confront doctrinal anomaly. That's what St. Paul wrote in verse 1 to 5. That if we are going to preserve the truth of the gospel in the church, you have to confront the anomalies that are being spread by false teachers today. And mind you, brethren, there are so many false teachings going on and the social media, particularly the YouTube, is a spreading ground for all sorts of heretical teachings. And that is why we need to confront. We cannot stay quiet when the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ in the Bible is being twisted by false teachers. Second, we need to care for ecclesiastical unity. When you say ecclesiastical, what is that? It's a church. The Greek word for the church is ecclesia, all right? Ecclesiastical unity. We need to care for unity. If we are to preserve the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, then we cannot be divisive. We have to be united. And the prayer of Christ in John chapter 17 is that His body become one. Amen? That there must be unity we must care for unity. And then third, we learn that we need to correct behavioral hypocrisy. Remember in verse 11 to 14? And when, you know, the apostles went to Antioch, a gentle church somewhere in Syria today, Peter was acting in hypocrisy, right? And St. Paul has to confront Peter on his face in the public. Because he was acting in hypocrisy. Before the Jews came, he was eating with Gentiles, the Gentile Christians. But when the Jewish brethren came, he immediately withdrew himself. All right? And that, what is that? That's hypocrisy. There is no racial discrimination in the Bible. But he was acting in hypocrisy. He was discriminating the Gentiles when the other Jews came. Why? Because he wanted to please the Jews. In order to please the Jews, he has to hurt the feelings of the Gentiles. And so Paul has to confront Peter, the Saint Peter, because he was acting in hypocrisy. And that is important for us today, you know? When you see a brother or a sister acting, behaving in an erroneous manner, we have been given the moral obligation to correct that brother. You see, the only way for evil to thrive in this world is when Christians say nothing. See? We only allow evil and errors and all sorts of perversion in the world and I tell you, if we don't do and if we don't say anything, our children will fall prey to these perversions. See? It's Pride Month in the Philippines and in the whole world. That is not, no, that is not the teaching of Christ. Pride Month is definitely, and I say, definitely going against 
the teachings of Christ in the Bible. And what are we doing? Are we participating or are we saying something? See, we need to correct behavioral hypocrisy. And then fourth, we need to clarify our evangelical accuracy. When you say evangelical, that means the gospel, the evangel, the good news. Do we truly understand the gospel? All right? Now, this is where I want to start. Okay? We now come in verse 16. And this is what Paul says in verse 16. When he corrected Peter, this is what Paul explained. Know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. That's what Paul said to St. Peter and to everyone and to all of us. Know that a person is justified not by the works of the law. In other words, to be justified means that you are declared righteous. You are accepted before God. In other words, to be justified means you are allowed to enter heaven in the throne of God. And Paul says, Peter, why are you acting hip hypocrisy? It is not that you do the works of the law, that you're accepted by God in heaven. It is by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. Notice how Paul simply repeats his statement. It's the same thing. Put your faith in Christ because that's the only way to be accepted by the Father in heaven. And it's not by works. It's not by what you do. See? People don't get to go to heaven because of righteous or rituals or prayers or whatever we try to do. It's very clear in the scripture, Paul says, not by works, it is by faith. So again, to justify means to declare righteous or innocent. Friends, you need to understand theology. How can people go to heaven? The only way for people to go to heaven is that we pass the standard of God. And what is the standard of God? The standard of God is no less than perfection. See, He gives all His laws, and the Bible says, you miss one, you miss all. So the scoring system of God, listen, students, it's only zero or a hundred. All right? It's only a zero or a hundred. If you don't get a hundred, it's zero. That's what the Bible says. And so the Bible requires that if you truly want to go to heaven on your own terms, in my own terms, God says, okay, perfect the law. That's justification. But the Bible says, for all have sinned and fall short from the glory of God. None of us passed. Not even, you know, the purest saint. None of us pass. And that is why Christ came down. That's the gospel. Because none of us can pass. He came down. He obeyed all the law so that by trusting Him, His 100% score can be applied to you and to me so that we can pass. So it's like this, you know? When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, when you trust Him with all your heart, you are saved. That's what the Bible is saying. You are saved, right? And so, on Judgment Day, when you face, you know, the judgment seat of God, books will be open, and, and, and there will, the angels will be opening the books, and they will see all your sins and my sins. By the way, listen, all our sins are recorded. And the recording system of God is so good. All right? It will never have a glitch. <laughs> and so all our sins, all your sins, even the smallest sin that you've committed, it's all written there. It's all there. And you say, how, how can you pass? How can you go to heaven you, with all the sins you have done? And you know what the angels would say? By the way, all your sins were paid for. And then you say, who paid it? Jesus paid it. That's why there's a cross. That's why in the middle of 
you know, at the center of our church, even our altar, is the cross. It should not anything, that should be not anything. It's always the cross. Why the cross? Because it's only through the cross that your sins and my sins are paid for. Are you listening? That's the gospel. See? It's only the death of Christ. And if you don't believe Him, then He's not paying for your sins. <laughs> See? That's what Paul is saying here. To, to justify means to be declared righteous by God. Question, when you die, are you justified? See? Did you put your faith in Christ? So, the doctrine of justification is this. Alright? Students, let's read this together. Justification is the gracious act of God whereby He declares a sinner to be righteous solely on the basis of faith in Jesus Christ. That's the accuracy of the gospel. That's what the Bible says. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, For it is by grace you have been saved. Take note. It is by grace through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by work, so that no one can boast. So salvation, listen, listen. Salvation is a gift from God. It is not a reward for being good. While we need to be good, salvation is not the reward. The only way you can be good is when you are saved. That's why salvation first before good works. Right Now, it's very clear. It is a gift of God. And take note, how can I be saved? You need to ask that. How can a person go to heaven? That's the issue in the church during the time of Paul, during the time of the early church. How can these Gentiles enter heaven? And the answer is through faith alone. The others were teaching through faith, but you, need, you know what? You need to do these other rituals and other religious things. That was the case. And that was being resolved by the apostles in Acts 15. And what's the, what's the solution of the church, of the apostles? It is through faith alone. It is in Christ alone. It is by grace alone. And it's very clear, not from yourselves. Are you looking at the verse? It says, not from yourselves. Salvation is not a result of something humans do. It is a gift that God gives. Question, to whom will this gift be given? To those who believe. Amen? It's not something that you can boast because it's a gift given to those who put their faith in Christ. So, the true gospel that saves, here's a summary. The true gospel that saves is what? It's sola gratia in Latin. By the way, this is in Latin. It means by grace alone, because it's the grace of God. It's sola fide, through faith alone, and solos Christus, in Christ alone. See? That's the gospel. By grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. All right? So that's the accuracy of the gospel. And then we come to the fifth and final. We need to consider our spiritual identity. This is verse 19 and 21. And so we're done with chapter 2. We need to consider our spiritual identity. If we are to preserve the gospel truth, we need... We need to make sure that we know who we are. You cannot preserve the gospel truth if you yourself don't know if you are saved. How do I know that I am saved? Now, this is where Paul says in verse 20. Let's read together. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. All right? Now, Here's where we come to part three of this series, Crucified with Christ. Now, there are three lessons that I want to share, all right? And this is very quick. Three lessons that you and I need to understand. 
about our spiritual identity. So I'd like to answer the question, how do we live our new identity in Christ? Now that I know the gospel, what is the gospel? That Jesus is the gospel, that the only way I can be saved is, come again, it's by grace alone, it's a gift of God, through faith alone, and in Christ alone. So in other words, when I trust, when I believe, when I receive Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior, when I agree with God that there is nothing, absolutely nothing, I can do to earn salvation, that's faith, that's grace in, in Christ alone. How do I live now that life? All right? That's the question. Should I just stop with receiving Christ as my Lord and Savior and then get on with my life, go on with my life, doing all things that all the other people in the world are doing? Now, no, definitely not. It starts with faith, but then what follows faith? How do we live our new identity in Christ? Now, write this down. Number one, consider your new position. Consider your new position position. When a person believes and receives Jesus Christ as his or her Lord and Savior, he has a new position. Our position changed. You know our, you know our position before we believe in Christ? Our position, we are called, the Bible calls us enemies of God. <laughs> Alright? In another verse, the Bible says, we are what? We are of the devil. <laughs> All right? In fact, Jesus calls those people, if you don't believe in me, then you are children of the devil. And if you celebrate Father's Day, your father is the devil, according to Jesus in John chapter 8. <laughs> See? He was telling them, you, you think God is your father? Oh, no. If you don't believe in me, Jesus said, God is not your father. Satan is. And so when you greet Father's Day, you are greeting Satan Father's Day. But for us who believe in Jesus Christ, our new position is this. We are no longer children of Satan. Amen? We are children of God. That's our new position. And as children of God, what is that position all about? Now, the Christian life, listen, is a unique paradox. By the way, do you know what is a paradox? Graduates. I will not sign your diplomas unless you can take note. This is baccalaureate, but your diplomas, I haven't signed them yet. And tomorrow, I will still be confirming whether I accept you or not. <laughs> so let me ask you so that I can really, really, you know, release you. <laughs> what is a paradox? All right? Now, you can... You can you can, you can Google, it's okay. You can ask ChatGPT if you want. What is a paradox? Anybody? Come on. Here, boys. What is a paradox? Pastor, that's, uh, that's rectangular that you put stuff. Parador, a parador to dito siya paradox. What is a paradox? Okay? A paradox what? It's a statement that what? That seem, seemingly what? Seemingly contradictory. Two statements that is contradictory, but both statements are true. Alright? Now, listen. The Christian life is a unique paradox. Why? Because we are a life of dying and living. See? We are considered dead. At the same time, we are alive. Isn't that the paradox? How can you be alive and you're dead? How can you be dead if you're alive? Well, but that's what the identity, that's our new position in Christ. You see this? I have been crucified with Christ. Question, were those people crucified 2,000 years ago? Were they alive when they were, you know? Were they still alive? All those crucified were, what? They all died. No one is crucified and lives except one person, Jesus Christ. Amen? Only Jesus Christ, you know, of all 
the thousands of people crucified by the Romans during those times, there's only one man written in history that ever lived after three days, and his name is Jesus Christ. And Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. And notice this, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Isn't that a paradox? You are no longer you, but you are still alive. All right, four things or two things about this new position. We have a past position. What is our past position? Crucified with Christ. That's in the past. Jesus was crucified once and for all. All right? And when you believe in Jesus, listen, when you trust Jesus Christ as your Lord, as your Savior, as your God, your sins were crucified with Him. That's why Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. See that? When Jesus died on the cross, you know what Jesus Christ died there? He died not for His sins because He has no sins. <laughs> when Jesus was hanging on that cross, what caused his death? Your sins and my sins. When Jesus was hanging on that cross, he was absorbing the sins of the people that will believe in him. Isn't that amazing? Even if you were still not born during that time, na by na born na when Jesus was crucified, none of us were here. All right? We don't exist. But you know what? God knows already who will believe in Him. So He died for them. That's sovereignty of God. See? That's how amazing God is. Before you and I were born, God knew already. God knew you by name. And that's why He saved you. See? He died for you. And so when Paul says, the reason why I am saved, because I've been crucified with Christ. My sins were crucified with Him. And Paul says, I no longer live. So Paul is saying, the, the Paul that you see now, this is not the old Paul. That old Paul, that's the Paul, the child of Satan. This is the Paul, the Son of God. Amen? Now question, is your old self crucified already? Are you crucified? Or you are still living your old life? All right, so there's a past position and then there's a present position. If you trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are also living your present life. Notice the next half of the verse. The life I now live. See? So it's a paradox. Paul says, the old me is dead but there is a new me that is alive today. When you believe in Jesus Christ, friends, listen. The real person who is saved is that your old you is dead. God gave you. The same way that Jesus died on the cross and then rose from the grave, right? After three days, we celebrate Easter Sunday. We love Easter Sunday. Why? What happened? What took place? What historical event happened on Easter Sunday? Our Lord Jesus Christ conquered death. And what's the meaning of that? What is that to me, Pastor? What is that to me when Jesus rose from the grave? Well, it's all about you. It's not about Him. It's all about you. You know why? Jesus doesn't have to die. He's God. But it's because of you that he has to die. And it's because of you that he has to rise. So that you can live the life now. Amen? According to John 10.10, 10, Jesus said, I have come. Listen. Jesus said, I have come. You know, he came from heaven. He belongs to heaven. He reigns in heaven from eternity to eternity. But Jesus came down. Can you imagine this? He has to be with us with all the dirt, with all the problems, with all the bacteria and virus, you know, viruses in the world. Jesus has to abandon His heaven to be with us. For what reason? What does the Bible say? Jesus says, I have come that you may have what? Life. 
and have it more abundantly. Do you want to live abundant life? See, it's not the problem of the government. It's the problem of sin. Sin makes life difficult. You know why it's so difficult to raise kids? <laughs> you know why it's so difficult? Children, listen. You know why it's so difficult to be, you know, to be children? Because of sin. <laughs> parents, you know why it's so difficult to become parents? All right? Now, just to warn you, okay, especially in this area, you know, you adore your kids. See, you love them. You know, you're, they're so cute. But guess what? Okay, just to give you some insight, the time they become like this, <laughs> then you notice that your blood pressure starts to rise. <laughs> I used to be there also. <laughs> okay, just wait for these little kids to grow up like this. And you will be surprised. Those cute little angels you know you raise turn out to have what wings and tails <laughs> sometimes horns <laughs> all right what's that that's the sin see that's the sin that's that's where we are in that's in the world today that's why christ has to come because you and i can never solve it amen you and i can never solve See, we thought that technology, information, just give them information, just give them good education and the world will become a better place. Sorry, we have reached the moon, we have reached the stars, and still we never solve the problem of humanity. There's still so much killing and cheating in the world. Why? Because of sin. And that's the very reason why Christ came. Amen? Because only Jesus can solve the problem of sin. Even ChatGPT cannot solve sin. <laughs> Even Google cannot solve sin. Only Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and have it what? More abundantly. Right? Romans 6.4 Just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, take note, we too, Kinsaman as a we. Who, who, who is this we? Alright? Those who believe in Christ, we too may live what? A new life. See? You, we need to have a new life so that we can have abundant life. You cannot have abundant life unless our life is renewed. And how can our lives be new? It's by faith in Christ. Notice this, 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone is in Christ, what happens to that person? He's a new creation. Okay, children, be honest. How are your parents? See, they're not, they not even as good as you, right? <laughs> we are also sinners just like you. We are also struggling, right? We're all struggling. But here's the good news. When we follow Christ, when we surrender our lives to Christ, when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, what does the Bible say? That person becomes a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Amen? The new life comes only in Christ. All right? So what's the first lesson? Consider your new position. So what's my new position? The old me has been crucified with Christ. The old Mackie is done away. It's, it's dead. I need to live this new life. You always focus. You always wake up and tell yourself, this is the new me. See? The old me, rotten with sin, Jesus died for that person. Alright? Do not resurrect that person. That's dead. Let Jesus resurrect a new person. Now, second, after we consider our new position, we need to carry on His presence. 
Carry on His presence. Continue in His presence. Notice verse 20 again. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. But notice the second half. Okay? Christ lives in me. Christ lives in me. Alright? So the first thing we need to understand is that the reality of His presence. Is the presence of Christ real? Yes. That's what St. Paul says. The reality of His presence. You need to carry on the reality of His presence. Listen, the Bible says, I have been crucified with Christ. The old me is no longer there. But who is this person living in me? Christ. Christ lives in me. Colossians 3, 3 you'd, for you died to this life and your real life, your real life right now as a Christian is hidden with Christ in God. Okay? So, whenever the devil tempts you, listen, whenever the devil tempts you to react negatively, remind yourself, old self, you are dead. <laughs> the old self that is a liar, the old self that cannot control his anger, the old self that is so greedy, that's dead. Okay? The new life is now in Christ. Alright, now the second, the residence of His presence. Where is the residence of His presence? Look at the verse again. But Christ lives where? In me. See? That's the residence of Christ. So now, Jesus Christ has a new residence. Alright? He is not just in heaven, but when you trust Jesus Christ, listen kids, when you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, when you say, Lord, can you please come and enter my life? Will Jesus do that? Yes, absolutely. He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, what did Jesus say? I will come in and be with him. See? So Christ lives in me. So St. Paul says, The reason why I can live the new life because this body of mine now is no longer governed by that old me that is grumpy and greedy and always negative. But the new me that is in me is Christ Himself. See? The life I now live in the body. And so friends, listen. Jesus said, John 14, 23. This is what the Bible says. Anyone who loves me will what? Obey my teaching. My Father will love him. And this is the best part. And we will come to him and make our home with him. Isn't that amazing? If you're truly born again, listen, if you're truly born again, if you trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, when you say born again, it means that your old self is dead. Now God gives you a new life. That's what it means to be born again. It's not entering a new church, no. Being born again is what happens inside of you. Now, when a person is born again, guess who dwells with you? We, man, we will come to Him. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Trinity. Alright? So when someone is acting evil, and he, that person claims to be a Christian, paradox, you're supposed to be you're supposed to be kanang nasaniban sa Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But why are you acting like demon? <laughs> why is it that some of us are acting like devils? See? Why? Because we again allow the old self to be resurrected. Again, make that old self what? Dead. Okay? Let Jesus Christ live. So, the life that I now live, that you live, that is not that should not be you, it should be Christ. So our prayer should be, Lord, can you please live in my life? Lord, can you please react to this situation the way you react and not me? Alright? Because the Bible says, it is Jesus, it is the Father, it is the Holy Spirit that will dwell. Alright, the reference of His presence. What is the reference? It answers the question, how? How can Jesus Christ live in me? The answer of Paul, 
it's by faith. That is the reference. The life I now live in the body, notice this, I live by faith in the Son of God. In other words, it's not ritual. I don't, if you ask me, what ritual can you promote or can you prescribe, Pastor? There's no ritual. It's just by faith. You just have to trust Him daily. Trust Him to live in you. Romans 1.17 says, This good news tells us how God makes us right in His sight. Remember? Justified. This is accomplished, take note, from start to finish by what? Works? Faith. The Christian life is by faith. As the scripture says, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. That is why, friends, listen, you should not stop believing in Jesus. Amen? Every day, you need to trust. Every morning when you wake up, you trust, Lord Jesus, I trust in you. Before you sleep, Lord Jesus, I trust in you. The Christian life, according to the Bible, from start to finish is by what? By faith. Sola fide. Asang a faith, pastor? Whose faith? To someone else? Solos Christos in Christ alone. Amen? According to David Platt, this is the key to the Christian life, faith in Christ. Not just that Christ who died on the cross for you, but the Christ who lives in you. You don't need the Christ who's dead. A dead Christ will not benefit your life. A living Christ will. Amen? So, who do we need today? Not a dead Christ. That's why when people ask me, Pastor, I notice, you know, you have a very beautiful cross in your church, but why is your cross? There's no Jesus there. In some churches, there are Jesus. And here is our resounding answer. When you enter our church, there's no Christ there because Jesus is no longer here. Jesus did not remain on the cross forever. You know, an empty cross reminds us that my Christ is alive. And when you believe in the living Christ, you believe that your life is going to be filled with the living God. Amen? Live that way. Please, if you're a child of God, don't live as a victim. See? What's good for a cross with Jesus there? It's, it's a sign of what? Defeat. See? That's why... In our church, there's no Jesus there because our Jesus survived. Our Jesus conquered death. Our Jesus is reigning as King of Kings. And our Jesus is living among His people. Amen? And you do that by faith. And that's how, praise the Lord, and that's how we become victors. When we allow the living Christ to live in us. The reason, see, the reason, the reference by faith, the reason. Why? Why? Why would Jesus die on the cross for me? Why would he live in me? You know why? It's love. See, the reason, notice this, the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. Notice this, that gives us the reason, who loved me and gave himself for me. Friends, that's the reason why Jesus died. Love. Amen? My encouragement for you, brethren, listen, graduates, please don't waste the love of Jesus. Don't waste the love of Jesus by going back to your old life of sin. When you go back to your old life, the life that Jesus died for, when you go back to that life of sinning, you waste the love of Christ. Please don't waste it. For Jesus to abandon heaven, to die on this rugged cross, and to conquer death, to abandon that cross so that you can live a new life, you know the difference? It's the difference from the east to the west. But Jesus was willing to do that. Amen? Jesus was willing. I am sure when the Father said, just, just, you know, a caricature in my mind. I'm sure when the Father says, all right, 
all angels, there's a meeting, you know, the people down there, they need some Savior. They're all sinners and nobody saves them. Any volunteer to die for them. Do you think some of the angels volunteered? <laughs> None. <laughs> Except the Son. Amen? Except Jesus Christ. And why? Love. See? Who loved me and gave himself for me. See that? Make this a personal verse. It says, the life I now live. This is Maki. The life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God. Can you imagine this? Who loved me and gave himself for me. What a marvelous love. Brethren, that's the kind of love that changes you. Amen? That's the, the kind of love that changes me. And that's why we have a new position. That's why we have His presence. And finally, as we end, count on His provision. And you will ask probably, yes, thank you, Pastor, for encouraging me. Now I'm encouraged. I'm a new person, and the presence of Jesus is in me. But will that sustain me? How can I sustain that? And here's the third lesson. Very important. Listen. Count on His provision. Amen? Don't count on yourself. Definitely don't count on the government. See? We always blame the government. Don't count on yourself. Don't count on your neighbors. Don't even count on other people. Count on His provision. Okay? Last verse. Verse 21. You know what Paul says? I do not set aside the grace of God. See? I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness could be gained through the law, you know what Paul says? Christ died for nothing. You know what he's saying? I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless. For if keeping the law could make us right with God, then there was no need for Christ to die. But the fact that Jesus died on the cross, it means that you and I, we can't count on our own. We need to count on His provision. And what is the provision of God for us, brethren? What is God's provision for us? Grace. Amen? Grace. Maobitaw na nga kanang manigabdaon sa ito sulti. Grasya sa Diyos, kaya napakigikaon. Can you imagine nung nangugab ka niya, wakigikaon? Kulba na na, sakit na na. Kung nangugab ka niya, wakigikaon. Alright? Alright? What's panugab gani in English, students? Oh, mag-burp. When you burp, you say, Thank you, Lord. Gracias. See? Why? Because that's the only way we can live this life. I tell you. It's only by the grace of God. Again, it's by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Sola gracia, sola fide, solos Christos. That's the gospel. That's the secret to survival. And so in conclusion, let me just quote what St. Paul said in another book, 1 Corinthians 15.9. This is what Paul says, For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church. He's talking about his old life. You see? You know, this St. Paul who planted most of the churches who wrote 13 books out of 27 books in the New Testament, you know who he was? He persecuted the church. He even caused some to be killed. He was a bad person before he became a Christian. But you know what he says? He's saying now, but by the grace of God, I am what I am, and His grace to me was not without effect. Amen? He did not say, but because I'm a good person, because I work so hard, no. Never counted in His work. But Paul simply says, but by the grace of God, I used to be a persecutor of the church, but now I am an apostle. It's by the grace of God. Amen? And His grace to me was not without effect. No, I work harder than all of them. See? Yet, not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Brethren, count on the provision of God. I tell you, 
there will still be problems ahead. There will still be trials ahead. There will be still storms ahead. Parents on this side, before your kids will grow up like them, see, the process from here to here, and I hope, no, few years from now, it will be tough. It will be difficult. But by grace of God, you will be sustained. Amen? It's by His grace. So let me close with this verse. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that, here's the promise of God, so that we may what? Receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Amen? When you find yourself in time of need, what do you need? It's the grace of God. And where can you get that grace of God? The Bible says, let us approach God's throne of grace. But how can I approach the throne of God's, God's grace so that I can find grace to help me? By faith alone, by grace alone, in Christ alone. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, that because of what you did for us, you gave us your only Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. We can become new persons. The old is gone, and behold, the new has come. And we thank you, Lord, that we can carry on your presence that you promise to dwell with us. That whatever situation in life we are in, come what may, we are not alone because you are with us. That's what Paul said, Christ lives in me. There is no situation, there is no place, there is no time in life where we can be alone. We are never alone because you are present with us daily. And that gives us encouragement, Lord, to go on. And we thank you, Father, that you have given us the provision, your grace. And your grace is available to anyone who believes in Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, help us to embrace Christ. Help us to believe in Christ. Help us to follow Christ for all our life. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.